My name is Mike. Uh, so as you've been hearing, Pastor Manny and Sonia are not here, and so I'm sort of subbing in to give the message today. And uh, next week, uh, Brian will be giving the message, so you don't want to miss that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so today, and as well as next week, it's going to be slightly a uh, testimonial uh, message, meaning that uh, the passage we're bringing has some sort of a, a significant intersection with our faith journey, so mine and Brian's. So, um, yeah, so hopefully uh, you can uh, resonate with what we're saying here as well. And so today we're going to be going over a short passage in Mark 1. Uh, you should have your handout as well. And uh, yeah, so the lessons from this story is actually something that, really came, that I came to understand in college. And they played a pivotal role in my relationship with God. So, so would you join me in uh, reading the text out loud together? So uh, I have the text up here. If you can't see it, you should have a handout as well. And so it's, it's only six verses, so I think we can do this together. So ready, set, go. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. He charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. All right. So the first thing that happens, obviously, is that uh, a leper approaches Jesus, right? The leper came to him, imploring him, verse 40. And so throughout Jesus' ministry, uh, people were coming and seeking him out all the time. But this is a pretty remarkable statement because this is a person has leprosy. So what is leprosy? It was a terrible disease, uh, one of the most feared in the ancient world. It's now known as Hansen's disease, and it still occurs in the world today, about a few hundred thousand cases annually. Largely, leprosy does a couple things to the body. So it desensitizes and it disfigures. It desensitizes the person's nerves so that you start to lose sensation in the extremities, like your uh, fingers and your toes. And so you, because you can't feel your fingers and your toes, you can get some serious injuries or infections without realizing. Uh, this past week, I know one of our good friends, Jack, he stubbed his toe real badly and then he started bleeding. And so stuff like that can happen without you realizing all the time. And then if you don't treat it, you get infections and it may ha end up leading to amputations. And leprosy disfigures a person with the lesions in the skin uh, with abnormal uh, tissues that form, especially around the person's face. Uh, can I get a show of hands? Anyone 24 years old? All right. This man pictured is 24. And uh, a lot of the disease on the inside, and you don't, have to, you don't see a lot of our manifestations, but leprosy was clearly and horrifically visible. So there was a lot of social stigma against the lepers, and they would be loathsome to those around them and loathsome to themselves. So on top of that, uh, because leprosy was believed to be contagious, uh, there were some strict rules for lepers so that people don't actually come in contact uh, or accidentally come in contact with them, kind of like extreme social distancing. Uh, so if you're a leper, you have to live outside of the town and wear torn clothes so you're easily identified as a leper. And if anyone was in the earshot, you have to cover your mouth and shout, unclean, unclean, to warn people to stay away from you. So, so in a way, having leprosy was like 
a physical as well as social death sentence. And how many years had this man been in the state? Well, we don't know. But one clue we do have is that in a parallel passage in Luke 5, Luke tells us that this man was full of leprosy, uh, which may hint that he'd been in this condition for quite some time. So when, so when was the last time, do you think, he felt human touch? A firm handshake, an embrace, or a, cli- or a child climbing into his lap? None of that, probably for many years. You know, there are some studies done about the importance of human touch and there's even a condition called touch starvation or touch hunger, which can increase anxiety, depression, stress, and insomnia. So on top of all the physical effects, there was a huge psychological toll from a profound sense of disconnection and isolation from others. So I think I can summarize by saying that leprosy desensitizes, it disfigures, and it disconnects. So after all of this, you get it, like leprosy is terrible, what's the point? And I think what leprosy does to the body is in many ways a visual illustration of what sin does to our hearts. So just as leprosy desensitizes the nerves, sin also has that effect on our conscience, and over time, our moral sense becomes dull and desensitized. Just think about the first time you straight up lied to your parents. You guys, don't don't raise your hands if you lied to your parents. Yeah. Remember, I mean, if you did, just think about the first time you straight up lied to your parents. Like, did you get your report card back? No. Like, then you kind of study their face and see if they bought it. And like, there's maybe your heart was racing. There's a mixture of fear and there's thrill. Maybe, oh, maybe I can get away with this one. Uh, or maybe it was the first time you ever stole anything or you crossed some kind of boundary. Do you remember how you felt? But then over time, hasn't our sensitivity to lying or deceit or just sin in general become less? Now that we're older, we can lie with a straight face or without even realizing it sometimes. And so what has happened to that sense of sensitivity? After repeated pricks of our conscience, if we suppress that, our hearts become more and more callous, right? And what used to hit us with a proper sense of guilt or even shame, perhaps, no longer even registers at all. So... Sin definitely desensitizes. And just as leprosy disfigures the body, we feel our souls are marred by sin. You, you feel what I'm saying? You know, I went to elementary school in Korea, and, and there, there was a day, our group of friends after school, we saw a kid who has a, a little bit of a cognitive disability. And we started to call him names, our group of friends, and started to follow him for no good reason. And so he started to run, and we ran after him, and we kept calling him names, other verbal insults. And it went for a while until we followed him to nearly to his home. And we stopped when someone came out. And it was his grandmother. And having heard the different things that we were shouting at her grandson, uh, she shouted back at us while embracing that kid in her arms. So we ran away. And I remember feeling sick to the stomach, feeling really rotten inside. Even as an elementary school kid, I saw I'm not some clean and innocent person. I am capable of this kind of cruelty. And the face of that kid's grandmother's, her grief, showed me a glimpse of the disfigurement that's inside of me. So when we sin, there's an instinctive desire to cover it up, right? Or minimize it or deny it, because we know it's ugly and it's shameful. So we want to divert our gaze and 
think happy thoughts about ourselves. But we have those moments, though, uh, when we, where we see what we're really like. Maybe through the expression of someone that you hurt, uh, hearing their shocked voice, how could you say that? Or through just some honest moment of reflection. We gain an understanding that we're broken and that we're not what we're supposed to be. And it's ugly if we actually face into it. So sin definitely disfigures. And just as leprosy disconnects people from their society, sin disconnects and isolates us from God and others. With the sense of shame and horror of who we are inside, we feel like if people knew what was really going on in my thoughts or what I'm really like, then they would be repelled. They would feel repulsive. They would treat me like a leper. So we try to put on a nice face and pretend like we're good, but it leads to further disconnection because we either end up feeling more shameful because of our hypocrisy, or we are left with a bunch of shallow relationships that, we don't, that who, they don't really know the true me. And when we sin, we feel like God must be sort of fed up with me, right? Or the holy God must be disgusted at a sinner like me, and I must be beyond the point of his grace by now. Like, I, I've, I've done it way too many times. And, and so in that way, we feel distant and alienated from God, maybe even blame him for the mess that we are. So in that way, sin disconnects and isolates us. So I just went through just really quickly kind of the effects of sin uh, as uh, kind of a metaphor for, um, yeah, just, yeah, leprosy being an actual, like an apt metaphor for sin. So maybe... Uh, just want to turn it around to you guys. Just maybe you can fill out this message a little bit by turning to your neighbors and just maybe discuss this uh, quick prompt. Um, just are there ways that you have seen or experienced sort of the desensitizing or disfiguring or disconnecting effects of sin? It could be just generally in the world or the lives of the people that you know, or if you're vulnerable enough, you can share something from your life as well. So how about we do that for a little bit and then I'll come back up.
right, uh, let's wrap up a, in a bit. All right. So just to kind of summarize that whole section, I think uh, leprosy is a, is a portrait of sin. So though leprosy is an apt metaphor for sin, uh, I think the difference is that unlike the uh, leper who couldn't hide his physical condition, we are to uh, some degree able to hide our inner depravity, right? Most of the time, we're able to sort of walk around, feel pretty okay about ourselves, or feel very good about ourselves sometimes, and we can definitely pull that off. But imagine what it would be like if you, well, it's, every time you sinned, it showed up on your face. Like Pinocchio's nose growing, you know, long with each fly. Or like the picture of Dorian Gray. So Dorian Gray is a protagonist in the classic novel by Oscar Wilde. He's described as a beautiful man, but he sells his soul to ensure that the portrait of himself would age rather than himself. So each time Dorian indulges himself in vice and sin, the portrait of himself ages and appears disfigured. And it serves as a reminder of the effect each act has upon his soul. So what if, like the picture of Dorian Gray, every time we thought a grotesque thought, our appearance got a little bit more grotesque and hideous. Every time we did a rotten thing, we start to smell like rot. What if? Then we'd feel like outcasts, wouldn't we? Like we would feel like running away. We'd sort of see the horror of our sin much, much quicker, so much quicker, and repent much more intensely. So like this leper, we would feel a lot more desperate. So the picture of leprosy serves as a reminder of what our sin might look like if it were revealed on the outside. Then the picture of the leper serves as an example of how to properly relate to God as sinners. So the leper recognizes his desperate condition, and this recognition makes him humble. So he comes saying this in verse 40, and the leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, he said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. So notice from what he says, if you will, you can make me clean. What does he not doubt? What does he not doubt? He does not doubt Jesus' ability to heal him. But what does he doubt? His willingness to heal him, right? But it's hard to blame him, uh, for the, given the years of rejection he's probably used to and the shame about himself. Nonetheless, he comes, and I think that's the pretty remarkable thing that given all of his background. Somewhere, somehow, he must have heard about Jesus, and despite all fears of rejection and doubt, he decides to place his hope in Jesus and come. And he comes, not with pride or sense of entitlement, like, make me clean or else, you know, uh, but he comes with humility. So notice he doesn't make any demand. Simply, it's, just a, it's not even a question. It's, it's just a humble statement of faith. If you will, you can make me clean. And what's Jesus' response? Verse 41, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. It says he stretched out his hand and touched the leper, and that's the first thing he did. That's the first response. And the word translated here as touched is more like grasped, took a hold of him. Elsewhere in the Bible, Jesus performed many healings uh, without even touching anyone. Just by his words, he healed people, he cast out demons. So the point is, he didn't have to grab this guy, but he did. He chose to do that. 
And it must have been shocking to the bystanders. What's he doing? He's touching a leper. Oh my goodness. But it would have been perhaps even more shocking to the leper himself because he felt the firm grasp for the first time, perhaps in many years, right? Even without the actual healing, before he even got to the actual healing of leprosy, like rain on parched grounds, the touch must have been an answer to the deep cries of his heart for connection, for love, and acceptance. And the touch was a tangible representation of Jesus' heart. I will, I am willing. And it's not like, oh, I, I will, I will, just be clean, be clean, you know? It's like, I will be clean. And with that, verse 42, immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. So just as the leprosy was a portrait of sin, Jesus' response is a portrait of God. So Jesus said in John uh, 14, 9, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Hebrews 1, 3 says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So through Jesus' response to the leper, we see what God is like. God is not some distant and aloof figure who cares little about us, like we don't care about ants. And God is not an austere policeman who is ready to catch us whenever we fall out of line and punish us. And God is not someone who is exasperated by our sins, like, ah, are you serious? You know, or disgusted by us, ready to push us all away. It's not like that. And whatever wrong notion of God that we might have, we might have picked up, that's not God. Jesus being moved with pity, stretching out his hands and grabbing this leper and healing him, that's the true picture of God, and that's the true heart of God. He sees the ravaging effects of sin in our lives, and he sees us with eyes of compassion. And he's more than willing, he's more than willing to cleanse us, and he wants to restore us. So after he heals a leper, Jesus tells him to go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. So Leviticus 14 outlines the protocol for a person healed of leprosy to be examined and integrated back into society. And if the priest examines and confirms that the person is cured of leprosy, then there is a ritual that they need to perform to declare that this person is indeed clean. So they are to bring two birds, and one of the birds is to be killed, and the other bird is dipped in its blood. And some of that blood is sprinkled on the person who is healed of leprosy, and the priest pronounces the person clean and lets the live bird covered in blood go free. And it's a foreshadow of the cross. Because Jesus bled and died on the cross, sinners who receive that sacrifice go free. So we might have a hard time seeing, but God sees our soul leprosy very clearly, right? When Jesus saw the leper, he was moved with pity. And seeing the world in sin, it moves God. It breaks his heart. Isaiah 59 says, The Lord saw it, and it displeased him. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. Just as Jesus did not recoil from the leper, but he reached out his hand and grasped him, God did not recoil from a world of sin and rebellion, but he rolled, he rolled up his sleeves, reached out, stepped into history, and entered our world, 
so that he can die on the cross and take away our sin. Jesus himself was God's outstretched arm to you and me. And the cross tells us that God's answer is an emphatic yes. I am willing to forgive you, to cleanse you, and to restore you. His willingness is something we don't have to doubt. So then the, really the question is, how do you see yourself? As you, are you like a leper inside, disfigured, uh, desensitized, disfigured, disconnected by sin, in a desperate need of Jesus' mercy? Or would you say you're a good person? Like you wouldn't say you're a perfect, of course, but overall a decent person through and through. And what you have is not leprosy, but just uh, little scabs, and that's all. And growing up, that's sort of the, that's essentially how I viewed myself. And that's what blocked me from coming to Jesus, even though I went to church for many years. But it was my sophomore year in college when it finally clicked for me, and I came face to face with the ugly truth of my inner depravity and my desperate need for cleansing. And that's the moment I came to Jesus, and I received His grace, and I was saved. So, you know, often a quiet moment of reflection is hard to come by. So I wanted to take a short moment but now by watching a video. Uh, it's not long. It's about eight minutes long, uh, eight minutes total. And uh, interspersed between the hymn, Nothing But the Blood, there are some uh, honest sharings from brothers and sisters who caught a glimpse uh, of their soul leprosy, and they recognize their depravity. So some stories might be relatable, some maybe not, but perhaps the disfigurement, uh, but perhaps they can serve to help us reflect on our own thoughts, our words and actions that reveal the disfigurement inside that we often ignore. So um, if we can play that from Propri, yeah, that'd be good. So we'll watch that. So, you know, why do we focus so much on sin? You know, it's so negative, you know, it's like, ah, you know, don't want to think about that. But, you know, as the hymn lyrics go, Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. The good news is that there is healing, that there is cleansing available for us. But, you know, without the recognition of our sinfulness, we actually won't come to Jesus. And without coming to Jesus, there is no healing. There is no cleansing. Even if the leper knew very well his own condition, if he didn't actually come to Jesus, he would not have received that cleansing. So we can't just stop at recognizing our depravity, but we must come to him, right? But how? Simply through the humble confession and faith in Jesus' power and his willingness to cleanse us. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess, confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Jesus is able to cleanse us, and he is willing to cleanse us. The challenge is not Jesus' willingness to receive us, but it's our willingness to come to him. So would you come to him now in a time of prayer uh, to speak to him plainly about your desperate condition? You know, no need, no need to exaggerate or try to minimize, but just tell him of, you know, your jealousy or maybe your greed, your lust, your resentment, your apathy, lovelessness, selfishness, whatever it might be, whatever might be plaguing you inside, just tell him that and ask for his cleansing. So I want to invite the band to come up and uh, just play a song. And I wanted to, as they do that, I wanted you guys to do a couple things in your seats. So, so there's a face, uh, there's like a profile 
avatar on your sheet that you received. Uh, you'll need a pen for this, so if you need a pen, there's some people going, coming around with pens. So there's a face on the sheet that you received as sort of an artistic way of reflection. Like, pretend that that's your soul's portrait, kind of like that of Dorian Gray. What would it look like? What would it look like? Uh, you can color it, you can draw on it, or you can write different words on it, maybe. I would just try to express how you see your inner self visually. So that's one. And then after that, please spend some time in prayer and come to Jesus and confess your sins, ask for his mercy and his cleansing. And if you have a hard time, if, like, if you're drawing a blank and you know, whatnot, that's okay. And you can just use that time to just pray, uh, just pray to God. Hey, please help me. Just open my eyes. Help me to see things I might not be seeing. Uh, I might have blind spots. Please reveal that to me. And so in that kind of a humble prayer, I think would be appropriate. So, so we'll uh, spend some time doing that. And, and uh, yeah, the band will play for you. And then, uh, yeah, after a certain time, they will just uh, go right into the closing song. And that will be the end of the uh, message. So, all right, please spend some time on that. Thank you. Thank you.